Welcome to the Digital Week. Today we welcome Marika Wachowicz, uh, newly arrived from Silicon Valley. Marika is going to play a substantial role leading the PwC chair in the digital economy. We take a deep dive into robotics, talking about could I create a mini-me? How would she operate? How would I monetize her? A whole new business model coming there. And we also discuss with Marek and Professor Roseman how will Australia lead and play a role in the global digital economy? Questions answered? More ideas created? Join us on the Digital Week. Monica, lovely to see you again. How has your week been? My week's been fantastic and all the better because today we welcome Marek Kowalkowicz. How are you? Murray, Jen Dobrin, lovely to see you here. Jen Dobrin, oh, so you, you, you picked up on my Polish background, that's great. Uh, Just add all five phrases, I'll try to use them all today. Um, Marek, lovely to have you here. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your first impressions, Brisbane as a city. Uh, thanks, so I, I arrived uh, in Brisbane a few, only a few days ago, straight from California, and I have to say it has just as beautiful weather as California, it has just as fantastic people, and I love it even more every day, every day that I'm, every next day that I'm staying here. So we should just catch people up. Marek Kowalkowicz is the official new academic chair for the PwC Chair in the Digital Economy that Michael Roseman and I and a group of very interested innovators founded here in Queensland several months ago. It's been going gangbusters. We've got a lot of corporate interest, national and international. Uh, we're solving and creating labs that are solving interesting problems and really challenging the 3.0s. But you know what I'm interested in is, why does a guy that's got a great global career working in Silicon Valley come to Brisbane? That's a fantastic question, Monica. That's a fantastic question. And yes, I spent a few years working in Silicon Valley. Before that, I also lived and worked in Singapore, which you know some people say is also a great place for startups in Asia Pacific. Uh, what I have seen in those, especially in those two hubs of, of startups, is that yes, they are great places for young people to go to, learn about new technologies, get inspired. But I also see that uh, slowly those places are losing focus. So there's a lot of excitement, but you know there's so many ideas that the young people are just jumping from one idea to the other. And, and I'm thinking that the next innovation might be coming from places which are slightly better suited to focus. And I believe Brisbane is, is one of those places. I have known a lot of people from Brisbane. I've seen a lot of innovation coming from Australia that uh, is very successful in Silicon Valley at the moment. So that was the reason for me to move. Well, and don't get me wrong, we are absolutely, you know, absolutely wrapped to have you. And mm. you bring the, you do bring this wonderful Asia Pac, European, and then finally Silicon Valley ecosystem mm. uh, experience to us. And, you know, in our first meetings this week with some of our corporates and investors, you know, when you speak through market makers and e innovation ecosystems, I can see that quite quickly um, we'll be implementing some practices that will really lead us to the forefront. Absolutely, absolutely. I had a pleasure of working in the very center of Silicon Valley, right next door from Tesla, right next door from Palo Alto Research Center. And believe it or not, my office was where Steve Jobs had his office uh, while he was leading Next, if you remember the company. Oh, yes. So I had a pleasure of parking in Steve Jobs' parking spot. Uh, uh, and yes, now I think Brisbane is the next place. Wow. Well, welcome to have you. Uh, have you. I mean, I guess you thought deeply about the role before moving back here or taking the position up. Tell us a little bit about the vision you've got for the PwC chair in the digital economy. 
So what I would like to start with is, yes, this role is based in Australia, but I do not consider this a local role. It is not about the state of Queensland. It is not about Australia uh, itself. Digital economy is global, and it's the same with this role. The way I see uh, the PwC chair of digital economy is uh, uh, it's an institution. It's a highly, grow highly active and growing team that is helping Australia, Australian businesses, become very competitive uh, in the in digital economy globally. It's also uh, a, an institution, a group, a team that is uh, being on the forefront of innovation in digital economy globally. Mm. Well, we're very welcome to have you, Marek, and you know we look forward to growing and, and growing at pace now that we have yourself and your great capacity on board. Marek, I find it fascinating what you say, uh, the, the lack of focus. Mm -hmm. So we often talk about the digital economy and we get distracted by new apps and new cases and success stories and uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, to what extent do you believe that, that the economy gets too distracted and that the lack of focus is a severe threat to the future of the digital economy? Oh, that's, that's uh, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Michael. That's, that's a, an, a very big problem that we're facing at the moment. There's... The, the amount of information that is attacking us from every corner, the amount of ideas that we discuss with others is absolutely overwhelming. That's one of the biggest problems of innovation at the moment. We have plenty of ideas. Ideas are not a problem anymore. In fact, ideas are cheap, are plenty. What matters is execution. So again, fully agreed with you. What needs to happen right now in this digital economy is it's really huge focus on select ideas and, and execution. And, and Marek, you talked a bit about the vision for the PwC chair in digital economy and the ability to help organizations to compete and go beyond and lead and truly disrupt on a global scale. Uh, let's talk about your own focus. Can you give us one area that you're currently passionate about, an area that uh, will attract your, your energy and uh, that becomes the focal point of some of your pieces of work? Years while you're here. So the past few years, I I spent a lot of time working with maker communities in Silicon Valley. So I believe this is a an, a a growing market, a growing opportunity where every individual is able to create new solutions. We're not talking about software anymore. Remember the software revolution which started in 1970s, 1980s, and those great businesses that that came out of it. Uh, we're right now uh, at the beginning of a new revolution, which is a new hardware revolution where anyone, really, my neighbor, my mom, can buy a piece of uh, electronics for a few dollars. You know, I'm talking about Arduinos, I'm talking about Raspberry Pis, and so on. They can connect it with sensors, actuators, they can build their own robots, they can, they can create their own solutions. And we see kids, we see school kids building small devices that are being sent to space. That's the ArduSat project, for instance. So we talk a lot about the digital and the sharing economy. What you describe sounds like the do-it-yourself economy. Uh, is this a trend that you see on a global scale or just in frugal uh, countries? I do see it spreading on a global uh, scale right now. So yes, most definitely it has started in a couple of pockets of, of innovation, if you will, in the world. But 
let's let's take one of the flagships event flagship events of maker communities, which is called Maker Fair. Maker Fair started in California uh, about ten years ago, and now you see Maker Fairs all around the world. There's one. There's there's a number of them happening in Australia this year as well. So yes, it's a growing trend. It's a global trend. And let's talk maybe about specific artifacts as an example. Um, the idea of uh, making your own robot. So robot robotics is a huge topic. Um, to what extent do you see robots as an artifact and as something that, that people in the future literally build themselves or at least customize and train themselves? Of course, there will be both trends will uh, will be possible, and and of course people will be buying robots just like. Today we buy mobile phones. They will buy robots uh, to get them perform very specific functions. At the same time, there will be a lot of people who will be building robots just for fun. Uh, but yes, that will be that will be a minority minority of, of people who will be doing it. So you know, robots will become consumables, and then there will be people who are interested in innovation, building them for fun. And maybe let's talk about robots a bit more. So often we have a rather, um, from an economist uh, viewpoint, a negative view on robots. We think about them replacing manual labor, severe uh, threat, uh, and they're one of the key sources. But, but some people believe that in Australia up to 40% of our jobs in the next 20 years will disappear. Um, Mare, share some of your views. Uh, what's the influence uh, on the economy? What sort of jobs do you see also emerging when it comes to the uptake of robots, not just in private households, but, but overall in, in the economy? So, so what we clearly see is, yes, um, people fear robots. And yes, we hear stories about robots stealing our jobs. Now, the reality is, if you look at any robot that you can, that you can come across these days, they're super clunky, they, they cannot they cannot perform the easiest tasks. You know, try to ask a robot to open a door. There's no robots, there are just a few robots in the world who are able to open a door. So stealing our jobs is a bit of a stretch. You know, what we see right now is, is that augmented interaction between, between robots and humans. And robots are amazing at helping humans be very uh, competitively very efficient at what they're doing. And this is the future of robots that, that I'm seeing. That's, so yeah. could I create a mini-me robot you know, to help me get through that productivity that I desire so much? Of course you will be able to, and you can start already now. You can just buy a couple of uh, pieces of electronics and you can start playing with it. Actually, I have one like that at home for my kids. So whenever I'm not at home and I'm at work, they have this... I blinking robot, and they call them. They call the robot Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So but tell me about the psychology of robotics. You know, really, one of they're a piece of machinery. They're not a person. They, you know, do they have a heart? Psychology. Tell us about that. How are we going to? Is there evolution occurring? If you like, in that integration of the psychology of care and emotionality associated with robots. It's a, It's an amazing question, Monica, and I believe. Right now, we mostly focus on the engineering aspects of robots, but, but this is exactly the field that we will be uh, seeing growing in the future, the field of psychology of robots, helping you know, human-robot interaction, definitely something that, that we'll see growing in the future. And then we talk a lot about the emergence of uh, the design industries, creative industries. Um, that's a conversation we don't have very often. We talk about the very good or commercial manual labor, meeting the world of uh, robotics and related capabilities. 
Um, give us an idea, Marek, um, what would the future look like? And, and Monica just talked about the mini-me. Could you also imagine that the creative robot actually looks like Monica? You know? And what would it mean if the creative industries meet uh, robotics? Hmm. So let me, let me take this question from another angle. If we went back 50 years and tried to draw or imagine future, uh, would we talk about mobile phones? Would we talk about people carrying computers in their pockets? You know, it was, it was a science fiction uh, discussion back then 50 years ago, right? And now when you look at what we have in our pockets, that's, that's absolutely amazing. So while, of course, you know, I cannot predict it with 100% probability, I would say that, yes, we might have a, a Monica robot in 50 years from now, and she would be uh, working together and, uh, you know, maybe uh, traveling the world together with Monica. Highly exclusive. I think that would be a fantastic job. They'd be terribly expensive, of course. Um, I'm interested also in, the, you know, the new new, you know, part of the our podcast each week is to really help people understand a little bit about where the future's going. You know, Michael and I had an earlier discussion of could robotics really become the new investment property? You know, Australians are, you know, in terms of growing wealth, we love to buy investment property, which we then rent out to people other than ourselves and we make money. Could potentially in the future people buy robots and then operate them as a small business that would earn them an income or they might be an asset that would grow? I would, I would imagine that uh, considering advances in machine learning and the technologies that are being used uh, uh, to create robots, we will not see typical off-the-shelf uh, robots, but I can imagine you buying a robot and and really developing it in in you know in a, in the same way you, you develop a or a child develops. So yes, I, I can imagine there will be jobs of there will be people who will make robots better. And yes, I could imagine investing in such robots just like these days you uh, you uh, invest in sports players, for instance. Mm. So I could maybe have a whole business where I have six robots and I send robots out to do different tasks. That would be good. Yeah. Michael, you know, for you, what about the jobs? What would you like kids to do in robotics? So let, let's talk about robots and the creative industry example again. So 2015 saw so, uh, Robotronica here at QT where we had uh, dancing robots. Mm -hmm. We had a number of robots performing literally a, a rock concert. Um, so this is an example where you can see that the art of orchestration all of a sudden uh, meets the world of robotics. And there's a huge opportunity for people in creative industries to explore entire new jobs uh, with, uh, exclusively or together with humans, um, to create new uh, creative artifacts. Mm -hmm. uh, Marek, what are one or two other jobs? So often we talk about robotics, but we don't see a lot of job descriptions. So today in the newspaper you don't see robots or robotics as part of job descriptions. In the years to come, what sort of jobs, what sort of related skills could you imagine? Hmm. So like I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, right now the focus is on science, technology, engineering, maths, and this is where we see you know, the focus on the new jobs. But I like to uh, always say it's not STEM, but it's STEAM. It's science, hmm. technology, engineering, arts, and maths. So I'll see a lot of jobs um, in the arts space which are related to the new technologies. You know, it could be fashion design for robots. I love that. Now, we like to interact, and we'd like to call on listeners. What do, you, what do people listening today, tell us about what you would like to see robots do in the future. What's a new job you could imagine you would like a robot to do? And if you had a robot that could be you, what would they do? Um, I think it's interesting. 
our digital week is coming to an end. Marek, it has been wonderful and welcome aboard. We look forward to more input from you in the coming weeks. Michael? Lovely, Marek, to meet you. We look forward to working with you and no doubt you will be a frequent guest here at Digital Week. But for today, do we say here. Thank you very much, Michael and Monica.